Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Hey, that you gotta love that we're able to sing to a God that when fear strikes our heart, when anxiety starts to overwhelm us, we know that we have a God who will never leave us or forsake us and will be with us every single step of the way. Church family, come on, give a shout of praise to God today. Amen. Hey, it's a wonderful day to worship God, right? Beautiful weather out there. Welcome everyone to Christ Fellowship. My name is Omar, and I have the, the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want to welcome all the campuses right now joining us live all throughout Miami from Northern Miami and Doral to Coral Gables, West Kendall, Redland Homestead, and even here at Palmetto Bay. Thank you so much uh, for being here. And also everyone right now watching us live stream on our YouTube channel, welcome. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today. You know, today we are on our second week of a series, a new series called The Family Trust. But we have been looking at the life of Abraham. We're going through the book of Genesis, and we're looking how a family is able to trust the Lord in different circumstances. Last week, we learned how to trust God in the middle of uncertainty. Today, we're going to be learning how to trust God even in a culture that is getting further and further away from God. How do we lead our families? Something so timely for all of us. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 13, wherever you find yourself, and you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. And Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley, and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were what? Yeah, were wicked. They were great sinners against the Lord. In other words, God led Abraham's family to start living in a culture, in a society that was immoral and moving further and further away from him. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. Again, it's great to have you here today. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of you know that I have a four-year-old little girl. Her name is Camila. And uh, I got to tell you, man, I love being a girl dad. It is the funnest thing. She is so smart. She's so funny. And folks, I'm treasuring every moment I get because I know that these moments are fleeting, right? Here today, and then they're gone tomorrow. But folks, Camila it loves Disney. Oh, yeah. And she loves, particularly, she loves being a princess, one of the Disney princesses. The one that she is right now, she loves Ariel from The Little Mermaid, yeah. And, uh, and she's wearing that even for New Year's Day. She has a little dress of Little Mermaid. 
And folks, even every single morning, at about 6.30 every single morning, no joke, with no alarm clock, she wakes up every single morning, <laughs> takes off her pajamas, yeah, she puts on her little dress, her little crown, her little glasses, and her heels, and she's walking around that whole house, yeah, at 6.30 in the morning, kid you not. In fact, this morning, I want to share with you something that really special that happened this morning. You know, every single morning, I sit outside in the back porch, and I, you know, spend time with the Lord, and read God's word and pray. And today, she saw me outside, so she put on the same sweater that I had on, and she got her little kid's Bible that she got from Sea of Kids, and she sat outside with me, and we had a quiet time together at 6.30 in the morning. Can we praise God for that? Yeah, first time ever. It was super, super, super special. But anyway, follow, but, but anyway, follow me here, because even though she loves Disney, and family, Ashley and I, listen, we grew up loving Disney too. We as parents have come to a dilemma. Here's a dilemma. As of late, Disney is transitioning uh, to pushing certain ideologies that we really don't b- believe align to God's word. Specifically, uh, movies that represent homosexuality as good and normal. For example, just so you have an understanding, several years back, there was a movie called Onward that for the first time, one of the lesser characters was actually gay in the movie. And so that's the first moment they began to introduce this to children. Uh, Last year, there was a movie uh, called Lightyear, a spinoff from uh, Toy Story. And in that movie, for the first time ever, there's two, uh, there is a gay kiss on screen for kids to watch. And then this year, there's a new movie called Strange World, where the lead character of the movie is gay. And folks, you all know uh, here at Christ Fellowship, listen, we love and accept those who struggle with homosexuality. Uh, in fact, last year, we, I, I taught in the series A Conversationalist uh, that really God ha- loves and has a plan for people who struggle with it, just like any of us, right? And so listen, we, we know that God loves Uh, people just like anybody else. However, this is not something that we want to expose our children at this stage in their life. And so the decision that we're facing as parents is what do we do? Uh, Do we allow our children to watch these movies? Do I allow Camila to watch these movies? Uh, Do I not let her watch these movies? Or the other option is, do we go ahead and ban and boycott Disney altogether? So those are the different options. And folks, later on, I'll share with you where we decided, where we landed as a family. But family, I want to pose that little scenario for you because these are the types of decisions that Ashley and I, as a family, we're having to process and make decisions on. And folks, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today because Family, what an example of what all godly families are facing in today's day and age. And by that, I mean that just like we as a young family, we're trying to make a decision here that really honors the Lord. Listen, just like that, and here's the main idea for today. There's many families who find themselves in the midst of a sinful culture that seems to get further and further away from God. And, 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 we're tr- and, and many families are trying to make God-honoring decisions for their family. 
So for example, when there are when they are little, really little in elementary, right? Uh, you know, you're trying to figure out what Disney movies they should watch. When they get older to middle school, you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, what uh, uh, TikTok accounts are they following, what Instagram, what they're watching on YouTube, what are the things that they're being exposed to. Once they get a little older, you're into a high school or even young adulthood, right, you're trying to figure out, you know, where are they going on a Friday night? What are they doing? What are they allowed to do? What should we do as a family? And so families are trying to figure out in today's day and age, how to make God-honoring decisions in, in a moment that there may be, may, it may seem like certain gray areas. And who knows, maybe right now you're watching on our campuses, maybe you're watching online and you're thinking, Omar, man, I think you're speaking to me because I'm, 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 I'm trying to do my best. We are trying to do our best to be able to honor God. And sometimes the answer is not so clear and so clear cut. So, so how can we be discerning as a family? How can we navigate these waters of our current culture while still be able to honor God as a family? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from the story of Abraham and Lot from Genesis chapter 13, all right? So if you have your Bibles at all campuses, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 13. And folks, today I have three important thoughts for us on how godly families can navigate through these seasons. Are we all ready to dive into God's Word, church family, yeah? All right, so write this down as point number one. Here's the first thing we all need to remember, and it's this. That God oftentimes places godly families in godless societies. Now, folks, listen to what God's Word says. Now, Abraham was rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made his first altar. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Now stop right there for a moment and slip into the scene. Because last week we saw that Abraham, right, left uh, the city named Haran in the northern Middle East and God was leading him into the uncertainty to travel to a place called the land of Canaan, which is modern-day Israel. And folks, once they settled there, listen to what happens next. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the what? Come on, the what? That Canaanites and the parasites were dwelling in the land. Stop right there. Because notice, as they obeyed the Lord and they followed the leading of God, God began to bless them with flocks and herds, and they began to prosper. But folks, notice that it says that at that time, the Canaanites were dwelling in the land. The folks, who are these Canaanites that Abraham and his family are now living in? Well, folks, let's go back to last week where we looked at the family tree. If you were here last week, you watched online. You saw that there was a family tree. And I show you this because the more clear, the clearer we understand this, the better we can understand all these stories from the future weeks. 
So let's go back to Noah, because Noah had three different sons. They were Ham, which was the youngest one, Shem, and Japheth, three sons. Now, Japheth, God had blessed, and through Noah, God had blessed them that his tents were enlarged and many people would come. So through Japheth, the descendants of Japheth actually migrated north, and they actually filled all of, North, all of Europe and northern Asia. So if your family come from Europe or from northern Asia, your descendants are from Japheth. Then you had another son whose name was Shem. And Shem, through that, through that son, God had decided to bring about the future Messiah, the Redeemer, who would turn out to be Jesus Christ. And so the descendants of Shem began to be, and there was a, name named, a man named Eber, uh, which, by the way, that's where we get the name Hebrew from. So he, this was the, the land of God, the Hebrew. And so through these Hebrew people, eventually was a man named Abram, which we are starting, we're studying right now. And so this was the lineage of the Hebrew people. Now we have Ham, the youngest one. And, and Ham had many sons. Some, one, uh, some son, uh, one son traveled to northern Egypt, the other one to the Middle East. And they all started to kind of multiply and becoming a people group. But Ham had a specific son who had, whose name was Canaan. And through Canaan, that was actually his descendants were the people who were dwelling in the land of Canaan. They were called the Canaanites. Now, folks, you need to understand that the Canaanites were very wicked, immoral people. In fact, they were actually cursed. Noah, but God actually, the people who were, were cursed. Now, you're probably wondering, well, Omar, why were these Canaanites cursed people? Well, here's why. If you go back all the way to after the flood, it says that Noah began planted a vineyard. And so he began to be a winemaker. And one day, good old Noah had way too much wine to drink, and he passed out inside of his tent. And the scripture says that his nakedness was showing. So one day, Ham, his youngest son, went inside of his tent and saw Noah lying there in his nakedness. And it seems like he looked upon Noah with a way of dishonor and didn't cover his eyes. So then he went outside. He saw his two brothers, Shem and, uh, and Japheth. And then Shem and Japheth then went inside covering their eyes so that they wouldn't see their father's nakedness and covered Noah and then walked back outside. But folks, this is what happens when Noah awoke. It says, when Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he, served, he said, cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall be to his brothers. He also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So apparently Canaan was very similar to Ham, and so that lineage was, was cursed. And so what you need to know is that the people living in that city, in that, in that area, were very wicked, very immoral people. And so when Abraham's family migrated there and began to live, this is a type of people that they were living among, among very wicked, uh, idolatrous people. And folks, many of us find ourselves in the same situation. You know, you're not, you may not be in the same situation as Abraham and his family, but you find yourself, you're a godly family, you're not perfect, but you're godly and you're trying to do your best, but you find yourself that you're living in a culture that feels like they're getting further and further 
away from God. And so the question that we're answering today is, what should a family do that's trying to honor God? What should we do when we're in the middle of a culture like we're living in? Well, folks, write this down as big number two. Families that trust God choose to stay away from sin. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Yeah. In fact, let's go back to the narrative. Listen to what it says. It says, then Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kids, we're family. It's not the whole land before you, so separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Sur. Now, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And folks, here's where I want to really start focusing on this morning. It says this. It says, so Lot, what church? What is it? So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other, and Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as what? As far as Sodom. So first of all, when we look at this story, Lot's decision was a little selfish, right? Because instead of giving his, you know, his father figure, Abraham, the best land, he took it upon himself. He wanted it for himself. But folks, that's not the main issue here. Because notice that it says that Lot moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, when God's people, when God's word says something, it's always important to, to see what it says right after that. Because right after that, it says, now the men of Sodom were wicked and they were great sinners against the Lord. And so folks, as Lot was establishing his home and his family, he began to do that as close as possible to Sodom as possible. In fact, some translations say that his tent was set up looking, facing Sodom, which the Lord is making it clear. Listen, this were wicked, immoral people. And so folks, the grave mistake that Lot made early on is that instead of choosing to keep his family far away from that sinful culture, far away from sin, instead, he placed his family as close as possible to sin without technically living in it. That's what he did. And folks, it's sad to say that there's so many Christians who live according to Lot's philosophy. They say, well, you know, we, you know, we're Christian. We're a Christian family, so we'll never live in sin. We're never going to do that. But you know, Omar, you know, we're not going to be this, this, this goody-two-shoes Christian family either, right? We're not going to be so uptight. And so we as a family, we're like right in the middle, you know? We're right in the middle. You know, we're so godly people, but, you know, we need to live a balanced life where, you know, sin is here and, you know, God is here. and We're kind of living in the middle. We need to live a balanced Christian life. Folks, here's the issue. Write this down at small letter A. And that is this, that when you try to get too close, listen, our families end up drifting to whatever they are exposed to. And folks, let me just give you a visual of what I mean by that. 
So going to the signs, right, on one sign, on one side, you have God. And this just represents godly living. You know, a family who's really honoring the Lord to the best of their abilities. On the other side, you have society, which means, you know, all the things that they involve with the world, sin, morality, everything that the world has to offer. The mistake that so many people make is that they place their family like right in the middle, right? We're going to live a balanced Christian life, you know, arm's length to God, but, you know, not too far. Not, not living in sin, but not too far. So they chose, they choose to be in the middle. But folks, here is the problem with living in the middle. Because sooner or later, listen, society culture starts drifting away from God, right? And here's what happens. The middle is no longer the middle. And so what happens, the middle is now what? Further. And you know what? It's sad to say society never draws closer to God. Uh-uh. What? They fall, they, they, it drifts further and further away from God. And guess what happens with your family? Little by little, because they're living in the middle, they're drifting further and further away from God. And before they know it, when you choose that strategy, little by little, you're drifting further and further from God. And folks, that's exactly what happened to Lot. In fact, if we fast forward six chapters, we don't find Lot living close to Sodom. Uh-uh. We see him living inside of Sodom. In fact, listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 19. It says, and the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the what? In the gate of Sodom, key phrase. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth, but he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside and entered his what? His house. And folks, what a powerful lesson. Because Lot allowed his family to face Sodom, to get too close, and before they know it, they're living inside of Sodom. In fact, the passage states that Lot, that Lot was sitting at the city gates, which indicates that he became a civic leader, and he was leading, he was part of the leadership of that town. Now, this doesn't mean that Lot walked away from God or he became ungodly. In fact, in 2 Peter, it says that if God rescued Lot, righteous Lot, greatly what? Distressed, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. So notice, Lot was still a godly man, was still a righteous man. But folks, because he allowed to be surrounded by all this society with all this stuff, because he started living in the midst of all that, he was tormented. In fact, I'm sure he was tempted. And not only that, but his wife was also affected. His two daughters were, be were being affected as well. And so what we see here is that even though Lot was a righteous man, Listen, he allowed his family to get too close 
too close, that they were began to be impacted themselves. And who knows, perhaps we have some modern-day lots here today. Where you are still a Christian, you still love God, that really hasn't changed. But somewhere on the line, you've allowed your family to drift way too close to the things of this world to surround themselves to the things of this world. And now you're trying to figure out why are my kids acting this way? Why am I having these marriage issues? Why are we having all these issues in our family? Could it be, could it be perhaps because at a critical moment, you've allowed your family to drift way too close to the things of this world. Folks, here's a crucial lesson from Lot's life. Write this down as big number three. And that is this, that the decisions that you make today will impact your family tomorrow. Can I get an amen to that? In fact, and it's sad to say that if we fast forward through all these chapters and we look at the bird's eye view, there comes a point that Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed by God. Uh, which, by the way, in the future weeks and months, we're going to get into all these stories, so don't worry, but I just want to give you a, 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 a bird's eye view. And what's interesting is that we come to a place where Lot and his wife and his two daughters have to flee from Sodom. God is destroying the city. And as they're running away, Lot's wife at some point looks, looks back after being told by God not to. She looks back. She turns into a pillar of salt. She was longing for those things. She dies. So Lot loses his wife in that process. And then to make matters worse, him and his two daughters now go out to a desolate place. It's evident that his two daughters, are their, their walk with the Lord is not very strong. And so they, start, they start worrying, we will need, never meet a man. And we're in a desolate place. We will never have children. So they get their father drunk, sleep with their father so that they can have children. Folks, how crazy is this? And families, I was preparing, I thought to myself, wow, if only Lot would have stayed away from Sodom. If only he would have stayed close to the people of God, surrounded his family with the people of God, with Abraham's family, with all the company, with everyone. None of this would have happened. They would have grown older, him and his wife. They would have grown older. His daughters would have met godly men, get married. They would have children. They would have enjoyed a completely different life. But at some point, Lot made the crucial mistake of allowing his family to drift way too close to the things of this world. Folks, here is the big lesson for us today. That the small decisions that you make today have a big impact in your family tomorrow. Amen. Men, listen up. The small decisions that you make today have a big, a tremendous impact on your family tomorrow. And so you might be sitting here thinking, Omar, listen, you're, I feel like you're, you're preaching to me, to my family, because 
I've seen my family drift too close to the things of this world. Or maybe, man, you've done a pretty good job. Maybe you feel like, man, I, I've stayed away, but I don't want to drift. I don't want that to happen to me. So what are some practical steps that we can take as families to not make the same mistake that Lot made? We'll write this down as letter A. First of all, as a family, commit to living a life that honors God. Amen? You know, I love it that if you fast forward to the book of Joshua, when Joshua got to the promised land, I love it. He called all the fathers, all the leaders of all the tribes, and I love this passage. He says this. He challenged them to, with this. He said, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the, the Jordan, the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. You gotta love this. But as for me, and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's praise God for that, amen? And so families, and there has to be a moment where you as a family, listen, that you commit to living a life that, tr that you honor and you trust God. Listen, you may have had messed up in the past. Your, your family may have been in shambles. You've been mistakes. Is that a picture-perfect family? That's fine. But listen, there has to be a moment you say, you know what? We may not be perfect. We may have messed up in many places. But from here on out, we're going we're to commit to living a life that honors God. Amen? And folks, listen, fathers, I want to challenge you again. I did it last week. I'm going to do it one more time. Man, fathers, grandfathers, it starts with you. Listen, wherever you go, your family goes. You could be the biggest blessing to your family, or you can be the biggest stumbling block to your family as well. Why? Because God has called you as a father, as a husband, as a grandfather to be the men, to be the men of the home, to be the spiritual leaders of the home. Now, that doesn't mean you need to be go to seminary. It doesn't mean that you need to memorize every 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 verse in the Bible. Or even be the most, you know, a spiritual giant. What it means is that you as a leader, you set the pace at home. You ensure that there's certain priorities that are done in the home. Because listen, you could be the biggest blessing to your children for the future of your family. And so, men, I want to challenge you and encourage you. Be the men that God is calling you to be. Can we encourage our men, the fathers, and the grandfathers? So here's the second step. The second one is set clear boundaries. As a family, set clear boundaries. You know, there has to be moments that you know as a family, listen, there are uh, certain things that we will not do as a family. There are certain words that we will not use in this home. There are certain uh, movies that we will not watch. There are certain things that we will not do. And folks, as a, it's healthy for us a family to know, okay, these are the boundaries that God has given to us for our good, and there are consequences if we start violating those boundaries. You know, I'm glad that growing up, man, I had a mom who set boundaries for me. In fact, she's sitting right there, right, right to my left. And listen, I'm so glad because growing up as a teenager, 
there were moments that I pushed those boundaries, right? You know, that I tried to push boundaries. I disobeyed at times. I was not perfect. But for the most part, I stayed within the boundaries that my mom set for me from God's word. And listen, part of the reason that I am the man that I am today is because my mom was faithful to put boundaries in my life for my good and not for my harm. Amen? And so I want to challenge you, parents, listen, do the same for your children. Let there be clear boundaries that accord to God's word. And then third, write this down to letter C. It's capitalize on teaching moments. Capitalize on teaching moments. And here's what I mean by that. You know, whenever something happens in culture, you know, whenever you see something on the television, on, the, on an app, on Instagram, you know, everyone's talking about it. Listen, use those moments to talk to your family, to your children, even with your spouse, just have a conversation. But view it from the perspective of God's word. We will discuss things with compassion, but we will stand firm on God's truth. Amen? You know, going back to my opening story, here's where we landed as a family. Uh, so we decided that we were not going to let uh, Camila and eventually Mateo watch these movies. We were not going to let, let them watch these movies. Uh, but, for, and, um, and, but for right now, they can watch other Disney movies, you know, princesses and all these different things. And we also decided not to boycott Disney altogether, complete exit out. Because if that's the case, you have to boycott ESPN and ABC and everything associated with this, right? So everything's almost like interrelated. But for the moment, because, you know, things may keep turning a different, you know, could keep increasing. For the moment, we decided that we were not going just to let her watch exposure to those certain movies. But we wanted to help understand why we were not going to let her watch those movies. It's interesting, just this last week, uh, Camila was watching Frozen on Disney+. And after the movie ended, you know how it is. You know how on the streaming services, right after the movie ends, it says, hey, watch this movie that's very similar to that movie, right? And there's a countdown where there's going to start playing. Well, somewhere along the way, Disney thought that the movie closest, more similar to Frozen, was Strange World. Yeah, that's where we're at. And so at that moment, it's interesting, Camila looks at the screen and she's like, oh, Poppy, can we watch this movie? What is that? And I had, at that moment, I said, no, Mama, we're not going to watch that movie. And I, and I had a quick little conversation with her about the fact that, you know, we believe in God and there's certain things that don't align. And in, in her basic understanding, she understood it. She watched another movie and it was perfectly fine. But here's what I didn't do. I didn't just say, no, you're not going to watch that movie. And then just leave it like that. No, I took the moment, I capitalized on that moment to have a gospel conversation with her at that moment. And folks, I want to challenge you as parents, grandparents, to do the same with your family. Here's why. It's because when they see something in culture, someone is telling them what to believe. They're watching TikTok. They're watching Instagram. They're watching YouTube. They're watching all these social medias. And you better believe someone is telling them how to view all that. But that is where you step in as parents and as grandparents, and you capitalize on those moments, have a little conversation so that your children understand 
that there's God's word and that God's word says this about the subject and that God's word will never lead us astray. Amen, church? Amen. And so, folks, it's important for us to have those conversations at the right time. And then lastly, write this down, letter D. Here's my last point. Listen, you need to surround your family with God's people. You need to surround you and your entire family with God's people. You see, the grave mistake that Lot did was that he allowed to be drifted so much that all his two daughters and his wife and him were all surrounded by culture. No, listen, there has to be a point where you bring your people close to God's people so that they are surrounded by God's people. And folks, I've told you, I've told you before this, listen, even though your walk with the Lord is purely personal, and it is, right? Your relationship with Christ is purely personal. The people you surround yourself with have a tremendous impact in your walk with the Lord. Let that sink in. Even though your walk with the Lord is personal, listen, don't be fooled. The people you surround yourself with have a big impact. In fact, this is why God's word says, do not be fooled. Bad company ruins good morals. And so you may be sitting here right now watching, you're thinking, Omar, listen, that's, man, I, I want to do that. But where is the place? Where is the place where I can surround my family, myself, with God's people. Listen, folks, it's very simple. At our church, it's in the context of a small group, of a small group. Listen, if you're brand new to our church or joining us recently, small groups are amazing. Small, there's a large group gathering, right? In our small groups, we get together and we study God's word, right? We dive into God's word more, you know, into a greater extent, uh, but more importantly, we start forming fellowship, friendships with other believers, with other people that we can grow in our walk with the Lord. You saw a beautiful testimony early of a couple that was really transformed, Stephanie and Andrew, right? They, they were transformed by surrounding themselves with God's people. And what I love about our small groups is that they don't ex only exist for themselves. They exist also to be on mission to reach people for Christ. And so... In fact, these small groups are such an important part of our church that this year, the main focus of our church, you want to know what the main focus of our entire staff, of our entire church, is to get every single one of us into the context of a small group. That we place you in a place where you can grow in your relationship with Christ. In fact, this year we have a motto that we are going to be drumming until, man, until you don't want to hear it no more. Here's the motto that we are going to abide by as a church. You want to know? Here it is. Every person in a group and every group on mission. Every person in a group and every group then on mission. In fact, as a church, can you help me out and can you recite this with me? Can we do that? Yeah? Y'all ready at all campuses? Yeah? Ready? Every person in a group and every group on mission. And folks, listen, there's no better time to take that step and join a small group because many of our small groups are actually starting a brand new series by Pastor J.D. Greer 
uh, a pastor who came here a long time ago, friend of Christ Fellowship, and uh, he's going to go through the book of Judges, and he's going to show us from God's word how we can live godly lives in the middle of an ungodly culture. In fact, take a look at the preview. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did whatever was right in his own eyes. The book of Judges cracks a window into the brokenness of the human soul. We're gonna watch a nation struggle with its identity and its relationship to its God. Heroes and heroines arise, but in the end, each one of them proves to be a broken savior. These stories are some of the most bizarre and interesting stories found anywhere. They are glimpses of humanity as applicable today as they were back then, and they reveal a God that is working above the chaos to bring redemption. Judges gives you a glimpse into the heart of the true God that never stops pursuing his people. God uses obedience and faith, not strength or talent, to accomplish his purposes. God saves the weakness through ordinary people who just make themselves available to him. We all experience fear, and God doesn't call the brave, you see. He makes brave those he calls. God has a calling on your life. The great temptation is to sit back and do nothing. You need to get into the fight. It's not foreign nations that are Israel's actual problem. Israel is her own problem. We don't need a savior that can simply fix our situations. We need a savior that can fix us. The ultimate point in all of this is preparing us for the ultimate deliverer who would come and win the greatest battle against the fiercest enemies, not by strength, but by humility and obedience. You see, Jesus is this true king that Israel and we are seeking. He's the only one that can give us the salvation that we long for. All the judges have failed, you see, but Jesus has succeeded. He is the deliverer that Israel and that we have always been looking for. Amazing, right? And so listen, you all need to know that my heart for you as your pastor is that all of you would be in a small group. You may, I may have the, the title lead pastor, but listen, if, if you look deep down in my heart at the end of the day, listen, I'm a small group pastor at heart. Because I know that when you place you and your family in the context of a small group within a biblical community with other believers, listen carefully, your walk with the Lord will be transformed. You know, for me, I, I came to know the Lord early on when I, was, when I was young. And for many years growing up, I really struggled in my walk with the Lord. And folks, the reason why is because I was surrounding myself with the people who were not pursuing Christ. And as a result, I was struggling in my walk with the Lord. But listen, there was a moment in my life where my life trans changed forever. And I wish I, I wish I could tell you it was in some sort of amazing worship concert, in an amazing uh, so weekend service. It was. And you know where it was? It was in a small group. When I got together with other men and began to study God's Word, began to form genuine friendships, listen, my life was never the same before. Folks, that's what happened to me, and that's what I want for you. If you ever wonder... What does Omar want of me? Like, what, what would Omar want me to do here at Christ Fellowship? You don't want to know? It's very simple. It's join a small group. You talk to me, I'm going to tell you, join a small group. Because I know in the context of biblical Christ-centered community, your walk with the Lord will never be the same. And so I want to challenge you. Listen, it is the perfect time for us to join a small group, all right? 
you know, you know, our here at our church is that we have a church that we love to serve the families, and so uh, we have a community for every step of the way. On uh, uh, if you have, a, if you're a middle school, high school schooler, schooler we um, a middle school or high school student, uh, we have our student ministry on Friday nights at 7:30 for you to find community. If you are a young adult, listen, it's on Tuesday nights at 7:30 at all of our campuses, and if. You are maybe an adult. Maybe you're, uh, you're looking for a men's group, a women's group, a, uh, a couple's group, a co-ed group. You know, whatever group you're really looking for, women's group, whatever the case may be. Listen, we have over four, uh, almost uh, close to 400 small groups here in the church. There is certainly a group that fits you best. Listen, it's for your good. And so here's how, how I want to end today. Whether you are right now, whether you are in a small group or you're not in a small group, here's what I want all of us to do, right? And I'm watching everyone, so I want you to help me out with this. Go ahead and take out your phone. Yep, take out your phone. I know we all have our phones. Go ahead, I'm watching. Go ahead and take out your phone. Yeah, take out your phone. Open up the camera app. It's very simple. Open up the camera app and just go and just pointed that your camera right to that scan code right there it's going to show you a little link click on that link if it doesn't work just go to cfmiami.org slash groups and when you click on that link all right you'll see a, a page a little form that really shows you everything you know it shows you what campus you're in what group you're interested if you're a student or a young adult you can also sign up through there but here's what i want to remind you listen if you go ahead and take a step of you know and you're in a small group, listen, you're not signing up for life. This is not a mortgage statement you're filling out, a mortgage agreement, all right? When you're filling this out, you're just saying, you know what, Omar? I feel like I really, I, I want to know what groups are available just, just so I know and see if there's one that fits you best. You're not committing to anything formally here. It's just you want more information. So if that's you, go ahead right now. I'm going to give you a few moments at all campuses and I take the time to fill out that form. And then I'm going to give us some next steps in a few moments, right? So right now, in the quietest of the moment, by yourself, with your family, go ahead and fill that form up, and then I'll close this up, right? Go ahead and take the time now. family so it seems like for some of us the link may not be working just go to cfmiami.org uh, slash groups and there you can fill out that form um, or by the way at all of our campuses when you leave when you leave at our foyers there is a big connect to others a weekend booth which by the way there's cafe bustelo out there oh yeah we brought them in here 
at all campuses. So if you want to warm up some coffee, make sure you stop out there. But this, right there, make sure you stop there. And there's, you can fill out the form. You can talk to small group leaders and everything. But here's what I want to challenge you. I know we've had a little glitch here, but here's what I want to challenge you. Listen, could that be the enemy preventing you from taking the step? Don't let the enemy win here. If you feel like, man, I need, the, I need to, to find out more, listen, take that step because what may seem right now like a normal moment, years from now, you will look, you're going to look back and, and see like, my goodness, how the Lord worked in my heart through those people in that small group. Amen? All right. So I want to challenge, hey, be back next week because next week we're going to talk about how God, we can trust God with what he provides for us. It's going to be very good. So go ahead and send up at all campuses, everyone. Again, make sure that you, on your way out, you stop by our Connect to Others groups booth and you get connected. Right? Let me pray for us and we'll be finished. Father God, we are just so grateful. Father, you give us powerful lessons in your word to remind us, Lord, that we need to surround ourselves with your people so that we do not follow the example of Lot. And so, Father, as we go on out, Lord, bless us as families. Lead us in the way that we should go. And may we live lives that honor and glorify you. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people say, amen. Love you all. Sign up for a small group.